Hey church, we just heard an incredible message that we believe is for you. So get ready to be encouraged, to be strengthened. This will change your life. We love you so much. If you have your Bibles uh, here at Bishop, wherever you are, go ahead, open them up with me to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We're going to start reading in verse number one. John chapter 11, verse number one. If you did not bring your Bible with you today, we'll actually put the scriptures on the screen so you can follow along with us. John chapter 11, verse number one. Now a man from, uh, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Verse number four, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. I want to pause for a second, and it sounds like they had an awesome connect group. Because we want everyone in our church to be in a connect group, okay? Everyone. I'm in one. I want you to be in one. We believe for you to grow spiritually. You need to be connected relationally, okay? So here's Jesus, and he's got an awesome connect group. There's four of them, but that's fine. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more Days. The title of today's message is Snakeheads and Saturdays. Snakeheads and Saturdays, for those of you who like to take notes. Uh, let, let me uh, kind of set up the story a little bit for all of us. Uh, you see, there's no Uber in Christ's day. There is no Twitter. There is no Instagram. There's no poking anyone on Facebook. None of that can happen during Christ's day. People are walking everywhere. Messengers are being sent to different places. And we find out on day number one, a message has been sent. So an individual walks to where Jesus was, or maybe he rode in a really high-end camel. I don't know. But he, he walks to Jesus, or she walks to Christ and says, someone you love is sick. That happens on day number one. On day number two, the messenger heads back home to Bethany. On day number three, Jesus stays where he is. And on day number four, Christ arrives in Bethany. This is something going on here that's going to be really, really important for us to understand. The first thing I want us to see in John chapter 11, verse number five, is it says Jesus loved Martha and Mary. Lazarus. He loved them. I don't know what you have heard about God, but let me make it abundantly clear, crystal clear, that he is not mad at you, that he loves you. 
Let me make it abundantly clear that God is not against you. God is for you. To make it abundantly clear that he put his own, his one and only son on a rugged cross for you and for me so that you and I could come to new life in Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that you do not have to perform your way to receive God's love. That God loves you exactly how you are, then has the power to transform you into who he called you to be. And this is not a message that our whole world knows. Many people were wondering about coming to Shoreline today and they were thinking, what do I need to do? to earn some love from God but here's the truth while you and I were still sinners Christ died for us while you and I still had our backs turned on him Christ died for us you and I cannot earn this love it's a gift a beautiful free gift so Jesus loves Martha and Mary not only does he love them you hear that Jesus hears their request So he loves and he hears. He hears that their brother is sick and he hears that they want Jesus to come to their brother and to make him whole. He hears it loud and clear. There is no question on what he heard. He understands exactly what is going on. Those of us who are parents, we understand that sometimes our kids can have a difficulty hearing especially when they're in the throes of Fortnite or whatever iPad that we have given them. Hey, it's time for dinner. They don't seem to hear it. Hey, it's time to clean your room. They don't seem to hear it. Hey, I've got donuts. They seem to hear that so incredibly well. Our 13-year-old uh, actually has been trying to trick his younger brother, and it worked the first couple of times. Uh, whenever it was time for our boys to clean the kitchen, because we have our kids do chores. I've even had my kids rub my feet periodically. I'm like, get down here, kids. Just Your dad's had a hard day. Do it. You want to eat tonight? Do it. Do it right now. all with love all with love and whenever my oldest uh he's 13 (laughs) it's time to clean the kitchen his younger brother Grayson for whatever reason likes to move a little bit slower when it's time to start the chores for whatever reason he has to go to the bathroom during that particular time or he needs to read or his tummy hurts or his knees are bothering him or his back is hurting you're eight your back is not hurting you but he has all these different things so Parker is now saying Grayson cookies and Grayson comes running down it worked the first two times now Grayson has learned there's no cookies down here Parker there's only chores to be done I say all that to say Jesus hears hears he's heard your request he's heard your desire he's heard what you've been asking So he loves and he hears, but then the scriptures tell us in verses 5 and 6, he loves, he hears, so he stays. You would think he loves, he hears, so he goes immediately. But he doesn't. He loves, he hears, and he stays. Many of us have been interacting with God and he seems to be staying 
in a situation where we expect him to be moving and what you and I can tend to do is think maybe he did not hear and maybe he does not love but the scriptures here teach us that he loves he hears and still he stays this my friends is a part of your maturity This is you going from being a fair weather follower of Jesus to you and I having roots that go so deep in our relationship with God that come hell or high water, we will not be moved. This is the type of faith that is birthed on the inside of you when all hell is breaking loose around you and people are telling you, you should quit. You should stop going to church. You should stop believing in God. What has he done for you? It's the same thing that people have said to folks in scripture, the same things that people have said to Christians for generations. But there are some followers of Jesus that say, even if he slays me, I still am going to trust him. Even if he does not move when I want him to move, my heart and my life will stay in his hands he he loves me I know he heard me and even though he's staying right now I still know that he's on my side this is this is a faith that goes beyond carnivals and cupcakes and bounce houses that type of Christianity might be fun but it's not where you grow for the long haul you want to grow There's no rain for a while. When there's no rain for a while, it forces the roots of the tree to go deep into the ground to find nourishment. And this is what God is trying to do in you and in me. Do not question his love for you. Don't question if he cares for you, he cares for you. Enemy will try to talk to you in your head and said, if he really loved you, would he let this happen? And we find here in the Bible, it's as clear as day. He loves. He hears. Then he stays. So a situation that Jesus had the power to be able to make better, a situation that he could have fixed, where things did not have to go from bad to worse, he lets go from bad to worse. And in verse number 17, you'll see that Jesus arrives in Bethany on the fourth day. Fourth day. This is important because Lazarus has now died. He went from being on life support to now it's over. And it's been four days. And in the Jewish understanding of death, they would have thought there was some hope on day one because the spirit would still be around the body. Day two, still hope spirit would be around the body. But by day four, what they believed is that the spirit actually left. No more hovering. It's over. So when Jesus shows up on the fourth day, it's as if he is saying, I was waiting for it to look utterly impossible to everybody else so that now I can do what I always planned to do from the very beginning because I loved you and I heard you, but I let it go from bad to worse because now I'm about to do something that's going to blow your mind. I want to give you some hope today. 
I want to give you some hope today that even though it looks impossible and even though it looks dead, God's not done with that situation yet. I want you, I want to give you some hope today about your business. I want to give you some hope today about your marriage. I want to give you some hope today about your finances because you've got more month than you have money right now. And I want to give you some hope that the God of heaven has the power to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask, think, or even imagine. But sometimes... He lets it go from bad to worse. And if you don't think he does, then you'll be angry and frustrated with him and confused and you'll turn your back on him too early. You will quit when you're not supposed to quit. You'll give up when you're not supposed to give up. You'll throw in the towel before you're supposed to throw in the towel. And you'll begin to believe things about God that are not actually true. But in this story we see here, Jesus shows up on the scene when it looks impossible. Does anybody know anyone that's dealing with anything that's impossible? I'm telling you, the God that we serve is able. Shows up on day number four. Day number four, day number four, day number four. What's a day number four in your life? If he had come sooner, it would be able to work. It's just too late now. Now it's just too late. Okay. It's just too late. If you had come a couple of days sooner, a couple of years sooner, if you came to me before they abused me, then I'd be able to trust you. If you came to me before the bankruptcy, then I'd be able to trust you. If you came to me before he cheated on me, I'd be able to trust you. If you came to me before they failed me on that test, I'd be able to trust you. But since you've come now, if you came to me before I'd gone to law school and before I had my MBA, then I'd be able to trust you. But now you're coming too late. Jesus saying, (laughs) no, 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 no. It's not too late. You might think it's too late, but it's not too late. I like here in this story that Jesus, uh, in verses 38 through 40, you can jot that down. Verses 38 through 40, it talks about how Jesus is once again moved with compassion. His heart is moved again. I, I like this about our Savior. I like the detail that's put in the Gospels. It's telling us Jesus feels, feels. We have a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You would think we'd have a high priest, we'd have a savior that's aloof and far off. We might think it's like the Wizard of Oz. He's behind some big curtain and he's got this big booming voice. But we have a savior that's not behind the curtain. As a matter of fact, a savior that ripped the curtain in two and invited every single one of us in and said, Hey, I'll touch you, I'll touch you, and you can touch me here. We have a savior that's moved. That he actually knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're feeling. Here's a fascinating thing about our Savior is he actually even knows what you're thinking. That's why it's fine to say it, okay? 
because you can trick me. Lifting your hands, worshiping, singing loud, doubt filled in your heart. But it's okay for you to say to your Savior, I'm lifting my hands in faith right now, but I'm not sure if everything is going to turn out the way I want it to turn out. Lord, are you going to come through for me? Might not be popular in church to talk like this, but hey, who cares? This is my church. So we... I just am choosing to be real. I'm choosing to try to talk where we actually are, what we're actually going through, what we're actually dealing with. We got a savior that's moved. Feels you. Uh, There are some folks that are great at the feeling. They're great at, oh, I'm down. They're great at keeping it real. I keep it, I keep it real. I keep it real. Some people that are great at keeping it real. And then there's some other folks that are great at like, I don't care what's going on. God's going to work it all out. There's some great folks that, about faith. Sometimes churches feel like they have to choose between these two things. Or Christians think they have to choose between these two things. But our Savior feels, matter of fact, the one verse in the Bible you can memorize right now, right today. You just memorize the Bible. It's coming to you right now. John chapter 11, verse 35. Jesus wept. Bam. Two words. You got it. You're now a theologian. You are welcome. <laughs> Our Savior cries. He feels the pain. He feels the misery. He feels the heartache. He feels all that's going on. He feels that what in the world is going on with my family right now? Why in the world would he do that? Why in the world is this addiction still on me? Why am I still battling this thing over and over? I thought I'd be over this alcohol by now. I thought I'd be over this pornography by now. I thought I'd be over this insecurity by now. And that pain that you feel, you have a savior that feels, feels that. But with the feeling, he still shows up at the tomb and says, take away the stone. Remove it. <laughs> Sisters say this if you have King James Version. I love this so much. They say, you can't move. Wait, we can't remove the stone. He stinketh. <laughs> what a great word. Stinketh. <laughs> You can't go in there. It smells bad. Jesus, you can't go into that part of my life. That smells bad. You can't go into that part of my past. It smells bad. Don't look at year two to four of my marriage. It smells bad. Don't look at me when I was 27 to 32. Don't look at that part of my life. It smells bad. Don't look at me when I'm all alone and I'm driving to my, my, my job. Don't look at me during that time. That part of my life smells bad. Look at me on Sunday morning when I'm getting ready for church. Look at me then because that smells just fine. But if you look at me during any other part of the week, it just does not smell all that good. And Jesus shows up on the scene and says, I said, take away the stone and you can have every excuse you want to have. But I want you to take away the stone 
alone because he says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the very glory of God? If you believed, didn't I tell you? I told you, you would see the glory of God. If you believed, I told you, you would see the glory of God. I, I'm seeing this here. And in the story of Lazarus is not just his story. It's also, I think, a picture of our Savior as well. It gives us some insight onto, uh, into Jesus' life, too, because Jesus is about to have, go from death to burial to resurrection. It's about to happen. Death, burial, resurrection. Death happened on Friday. He's in the grave on Saturday. Resurrection does not come until Sunday. Death, burial, resurrection. On Friday, I see him dying. On Sunday, I know he's coming, uh, he's going to be alive. But, but these disciples, when they're looking at the situation, they're all living in Saturday. In Saturday, there's no activity. In Saturday, there's nothing going on. <laughs> in Saturday, you're trying to figure out what did I just get myself into? Saturday is when you and I doubt in, in, in really vivid pictures. On Saturday is when our worst case scenario really begins to come to life in ways we never even thought possible. On Saturday is, is when we feel stuck. On Saturday is when many of us think I need to throw in the towel because we have heard that there's a Sunday, but we don't really think Sunday's coming. We've only seen Friday. All I've seen is the divorce papers. I have not seen our marriage reconciled. I've seen my husband fall apart. I have not seen him whole in leading my family towards the things of God. I'm in Saturday. I've seen my wife taking all those pills. But I have not seen her free in leading a group at sisterhood. I have not seen that. I've got what I've seen, and I've got where I am. I'm on Saturday right now, and Saturdays, Saturdays can be tough. Tension on Saturdays. Frustration on Saturdays. Fear on Saturdays. Okay, I started school, but I'm in Saturday right now. I have no time, I have no money, <laughs> I have no energy. <laughs> Saturday, I started the company, but I have no time, <laughs> I have no money, <laughs> I have no energy. Saturday, I had the kid, <laughs> but it's Saturday, I have no time, <laughs> I have no money, <laughs> I have no energy. Saturday. But Jesus looks at Saturday, your Saturday and mine, and says, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see, you will see the glory of God. 
So then Jesus walks over to the tomb and says, Lazarus, come out. He just shouts, Lazarus, come on out. I heard it said that he had to say Lazarus because if he didn't say Lazarus, then every dead person would have come out of the grave. So he had to be specific in that moment. Lazarus, I just need you right now. You come on out of here. And I feel like God is coming to your tomb today and coming to my tomb today saying, son, daughter, come on out of that. Come on out of that depression. Come on out of that anxiety. Come on out of that doubt. Hey, take your medication and keep going to counseling. But I, I want to bring a prophetic word to you today as well, saying you're coming out of that tomb. You will not be in Saturday forever. You'll not be in that in-between forever. Resurrection is coming, my friend. Come on out. And Lazarus. So good. Comes out. Comes out. I, I, uh. I, I, I like this. I, 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 I like that Lazarus steps in to what Jesus is calling him to. He's calling him to something. Lazarus just steps into it. I just, I just want you to step into what God is calling you to. Stop being afraid of marriage. Okay? It's a good man. It's a good woman. You already went through 19 pre-marriage counselings. Okay, you've, you've gone through it all. Okay, you, you've seen their bank account. You looked at their credit. Okay, they're good. They're good. He's calling you. You don't have to be like your parents. He's calling you. He's calling you. Lazarus uh, comes on out. I, uh, there are some times whenever you're in that Saturday when you have... Uh, the supposed to's, man, they start, they start beating you up on Saturday because you're supposed to be done with school by now. And you're supposed to have a kid by now. And you're supposed to have sold that company and already started two other companies by now. You're supposed to be out of the apartment and you're supposed to already have the four-bedroom house. You were supposed to. You were supposed to. You were supposed to. You were supposed to. And when you have the, I remember when we started this, this church, we're talking now about, you know, we're adding services and we've got campuses and people coming in. It's so wonderful. And I love it. And it's been miraculous. I remember when there were 27 people. And people are saying, Earl, you're awesome. You're supposed, you're going to have an awesome church. And I'm like, uh, it's Saturday right now, player. I don't know. <laughs> my wife's still coming. I'm thankful for that. And my, my kids are coming, but I don't know if anybody else is going to come. Saturday. You're supposed to. You're supposed to. You're supposed to. You're supposed to. And you start wearing that stuff. You start wearing that. You start getting to striving. And you start getting to performing for people. And you start moving from the position that God has for you. And you start getting real antsy. You start making decisions that you should not make. Because now you're thinking you need to take control of your life. Because God obviously cannot control your life. And you start doing dumb things that you wish you would have never done. You start going to things that you wish you would have never gone to. And all this stuff is going on in your brain. And Jesus is like, hey, I, I did Saturday on purpose. I have you exactly where I want you to be. But there's a day that I'm coming. 
You didn't, you didn't know I was coming to the tomb on the fourth day, but it was the fourth, I had the fourth day planned the whole time. Lazarus, come out. Some of you might need to write that on your mirror when you get home today. You might need to write on your mirror, come out. Just step into what God is calling you to step into. Step into the surrender. Step into a deeper relationship with him. Step into him forming you and shaping you and molding you. Step into him refining you into who Christ has called you to be. Allow yourself to be conformed to the very image of Christ. You don't have to stay in that tomb forever. And, and here is our, our, our Savior painting a picture. But I also think... Not only is this a picture of like Lazarus, and not only is it a picture of our lives and obviously of our Savior Jesus Christ, I also see that there's something even bigger going on. I think this is also a picture of our human condition. Because many times people ask you if God's so good, why would all these things be happening? If God is so loving, then why would this pain be happening in my life? Why all the hurricanes and why all the difficulties in our world? Why all the homelessness? Why all the wars? Why all the children being displaced? Why, 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 why? Because I think this death this Saturday and this resurrection is a picture of the life we're actually in right now. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at this. Look at this. Oh my goodness. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse number 51. Listen, 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 listen. I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and, and we will be changed. For the perishable must, be, must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Here he's painting a beautiful picture for us that, hey, there's going to be a day that's going to come where everything is really going to be done, finished. It's, it's going to be beautiful. As a matter of fact, there's going to be a trumpet and the dead in Christ, they're going to rise up. Okay, it's going to happen. But right now, right now, we're not to that place yet. We are in a place of struggle. We're in a place of fighting. We're in a place of taking ground. We're in a place of victory, but we're in a place where the victory is, is is complete but still not yet complete we're still in the middle of all of this so when Jesus said on the cross it is finished it is finished and then it is also being finished at the same time okay let me paint the picture uh, um, a snake when I've heard I've read I've read and if it's not true it's on the internet so if it's not true it was on the internet a snake 
a cobra, we'll take a cobra, you chop off a cobra's head. If you put your hand near that cobra's mouth right after you chop off its head, it can still bite you. And its venom can still kill you. You say, wait, 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 no, 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 wait. The head's chopped off. I know, the head's chopped off. But if you put your hand next to the mouth of that snake, it can bite you and kill you. So what happened at the cross of Jesus Christ is, yes, it is finished. Victory is ours. But there's a day where he will return. There is a day where the trumpet will sound. There is a day when the dead in Christ will rise. There is a day where our mortal flesh will be exchanged for immortality. There is a day where our perishable flesh will be exchanged for imperishable. And on that day, we'll have a Savior that will show up and he actually will stop the head of this serpent that has been biting humanity for far too long. Why? God let all of this happen. It's all part of his story, his story, his story, his story, his story, his story, his story. Man, I, uh, have you ever uh, seen Romeo, uh, Juliet, or read it? You're supposed to. Supposed to do that in high school, okay? If you didn't, you need to go back and read it immediately. <laughs> I'm not talking about Romeo and Juliet, parents. You know what? That's a little random cartoon movie. I'm talking about Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. It's a tragedy by William Shakespeare. And Romeo and Juliet, they love each other so much. They love each other. They want to be together. And and Juliet is talking with this individual, and the guy tells her, "Hey, drink, drink." this potion here and it's going to make you look like you're dead. You're going to fall asleep. You'll look dead, but you'll fall asleep. You'll wake up. I'm going to go tell your lover. I'm going to go tell Romeo that you took this little potion so that you can sleep. So when he shows up, he will know that you're just sleeping. So she takes the potion and she falls asleep, but the messenger never gets to Romeo. So Romeo shows up on the scene and he looks at the love of his life and it looks like she's dead. It looks like it's completely over. So Romeo then leaves and buys some poison. He drinks the poison and dies there next to Juliet. Juliet wakes up sees the man she loves by her side dead and she takes her own life all because Romeo didn't get the message that it wasn't over so Romeo drank something that he never needed to drink because he didn't know That there was a promise that was coming and a resurrection that was about to happen. Too many of us are drinking the poison of bitterness and the poison of anxiety and the poison of fear and the poison of giving up because we didn't get the message that even though you're in Saturday right now, there is a resurrection that's coming. Here's what's true for the church. You and I live with a resurrection mentality in a Good Friday reality. That is the mandate of the church. So when everything is dying all around, us we are the ones that declare the goodness of God 
I'm done with this verse. These two verses, three verses, I'm finished. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. I could preach those two words for like 78 minutes. Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. I know your bank account looks like it looks. Stand firm. I know your heart is heavy. Stand firm. I know there's doubt swimming all around you. Stand firm. I know it does not look like it's ever going to turn around. Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord. It's not in vain. It's not in vain. I'm going to ask every person at all of our locations, do me a favor. Bow your heads just for a moment. Bow your heads. Every location, bow your head. Every campus, bow your head. ask you to bow your heads not because it's mystical or magical but just so you can focus for a moment if you're under the sound of my voice and you've never given your heart and your life to Christ you've never made him first you've never made him number one you've never made him boss of your life or you're here and you're under the sound of my voice And there was a time you gave your heart and your life to Jesus, but you slipped away. You've gone another direction. Put another way, you used to have Jesus in the driver's seat of your life, but now you're in the driver's seat and you don't want it to be that way anymore. Here's reality. Christ does not want it that way either. He wants to be first. He wants all of your heart, all of your surrender. So if you're under the sound of my voice today, you're hearing what I'm saying and you know the God of heaven is drawing you closer to say, son, daughter, don't go your own way, go my way. Don't get on your own path, get on my path. Don't live for yourself, live for me. If you today are ready to say, Jesus, I want you to be first in my life for the first time or re-surrender your life to serving him, I want all over every location on the count of three for you to shoot your hand in the air and say, yes, that is me. I want to give my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. Ready? One, two, three. Just shoot your hand in the air. You're saying, yes, that is me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. At all of our locations, individuals lifting their hands saying, yes, I want to put Jesus first. I want to make him number one. I don't want to go my own way. I want to go his way. I'm going to ask every person under the sound of my voice to put their hand over their heart, if they would not mind. Put your hand over your heart. And I want you to pray this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you in Jesus name amen and amen let's lift our heads up and clap our hands with enthusiasm at all of our locations I want to turn it over to your campus pastor right now I sure hope your heart was encouraged by today's message just so you know we are in your corner cheering you on and trusting for God to do great things in your heart and in your life you can listen to this message as many times as you need to we're not going anywhere 
But even more importantly, God's grace isn't going anywhere. So I'm glad to be on this journey together. We love you so much, and we're praying for you. God bless.